Lord, we just love you. And Lord, we are so grateful, so grateful for what you have done for us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Lord God, we pray as we, as we open up your word today, Lord God, that Easter would become more than a holiday. It would become an experience. Lord God, we ask that today we would meet you. Lord God, we ask for the places in our heart that are cold or disillusioned or lonely, and we ask that you would invade those places, Lord. We ask that from start to finish, from back to front, from up to down, we would be invaded by the truth of your resurrection. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen and Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Great. So we are, we are on the resurrection. So we are at Resurrection Sunday, and I'm going to be talking to you today about meeting the resurrected Christ. You know, there are some events in history that were just earth-shattering, world-changing. They kind of were a watershed moment before which the world was one way and after which the world was another way. You know, I feel like Martin Luther's I Have a Dream speech was one of those moments. I feel like Nelson Mandela being released from prison was one of those moments. I feel like the birth of my children were those moments. You know, I feel like uh, the day I met my husband was one of those moments. The day I met Jesus was one of those moments. I feel like we've all, we all can count certain moments in our life when, gosh, they were one, our life was one way beforehand and another way afterwards. I feel like the resurrection of Christ is the ultimate, the ultimate watershed moment of history. You know, before Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he was a good man. Everyone admired him. Even his detractors saw something in him and wanted to hear from him. He was a good man. But when he rose from the dead, he became God. Now, I'm not, he was God all along, but it became obvious that he was God, that he was more than a good man that he was God himself. Before he rose from the dead, he was a man. People thought of him as a flesh and blood person. And indeed he was that. But when he rose from the dead, he became Messiah. Suddenly people saw this is more than just a good man who walked the earth. This is God himself who humbled himself, came down to be with us and showed us a way to live and died on our behalf. Do you know that when Jesus died on that cross, he died as you? I want you to understand that he, he didn't just die, he died as you. And you know what that means? That means that anytime you stand in a situation and there are negative and harsh things around you, you say this out loud, this has already been paid for. I stand righteous not because of my good works. I stand righteous because I died on that cross with Jesus Christ. And as he was resurrected, so I have been. It was a complete and total watershed moment. While we're waiting for that, I felt like the Lord just says, um, uh, Mike said this morning that we that God wanted to heal today. I feel like I feel like He really does want to do that, and I feel like there are some people with some very specific specific issues. I felt like there's some people here with colon issues that there are um, some ulcers or um, colon issues and some pain in in the colon, and I'm just wondering if 
any of you are brave enough to raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. Is there anyone here that is battling with anything of those, those nature? Fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Anyone else? Three is good. If you don't, four is good. I don't, if you don't mind, I would love you to stand. Those of you who are around these people, can you just reach out your hands to them? This is a way of us saying that we're standing with them and that we're believing with them for this healing. Do any of you have pain right now in your bodies? Just wave your hand if you do have. Any of you standing? Okay. You have pain in your body right now. Please, won't you stand? Any of those people standing, standing for colon issues, do you have pain right now? Fantastic. No. Okay. Great. So there are a few more people who've stood. If you could just pray for them. Um, also, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <sighs> thank you, Father. Lord, we come into your presence and we just believe you for your grace. Lord God, we just stand in that resurrected life that you have for us. And right now, in Jesus' name, we speak to these bodies and we command you to be healed in Jesus' name. We command you to be healed in Jesus' name. I speak the life and blessing and the resurrection life. I speak to that pain and I command you to go. I speak to that pain in the head and the back and I command you to go. I speak those pain in the legs. I command you to go in Jesus' name. You will not operate here. Go now. Go now. Go now. Thank you, Father. I just speak to every spirit of infirmity and I command you to go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen and amen and amen. Those of you who had pain, can you just check it out? How's your pain feeling? It's gone. <laughs> Give the Lord a hand. <laughs> How about you? Is that a 10%, 5%? It's better. Awesome. I'm going to pray one more time for you, okay? Put your hand where the pain is. Thank you, Lord. We just pray right now <clears throat> for that back, and we command every bit of pain to go in Jesus' name. Lord God, I speak to every muscle, and I command you to be relaxed in Jesus' name. I speak to every bone and sinew, and I say, be aligned in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. 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 I feel him moving on you. We're just going to wait one second. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Every stress and tension, I command you to leave. That any anxiety, I say you must go in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. How's it feeling, sir? <laughs> Can we give the Lord a hand? That's so great. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. So we live, live in this time of cataclysmic, of just incredible change that happened through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He came into the world when the world was one way and he left it completely another way. The resurrection is what makes Jesus Christ reliable. You know what? If he hadn't rose from the dead, he was, like I said, just a good man. Then by all means, read his words and and listen to the things that sound good to you. But because he rose from the dead, it takes him, as I said, from good to God. And therefore, he's no longer just a nice things to listen to. He is essential to be obeyed. He went from man to Messiah. Therefore, he just went from, from ordinary every day to the person who knows what you need. The, 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 the hand that reached down into your pit and pulled you out. 
He became, becomes worthy of all worship and honor. He becomes your rescuer, your savior, your everything. You know what? There are some crazy things in Christianity. No, really. You know, sometimes I've spoken to people who aren't Christians and I've said things like, Jesus was born to a virgin. And you know, you can see their eyes glaze over. It's like, what? Because it's crazy. I mean, it's either true and mind-blowing or it's crazy. The glorious thing is that it's true and mind-blowing. But another incredible thing is the resurrection. You know, throughout history, people have come alive again after being dead. Jesus, in fact, raised a number of people from the dead. You've heard stories of people who have died and gone to heaven and come back again, and they share stories of white lights and all kinds of things. You know, when you're feeling sick, just don't look at the white light. No, no I'm just kidding. Look at the white light. <laughs> But, you know, you, you hear all these stories, you know, they, they're, not, they're not common, but certainly there are enough of them to, for us to, to, to understand that people can be raised from the dead. But in every one of those cases, someone did something. Like there was medical intervention, people were praying, God himself was laying hands on them. There was some kind of outside influence. Jesus Christ is the only one who raised himself. And you know, I look at it this way. I was meditating on the resurrection the other day and, and this thought came to mind. is, You know what? If Jesus was God, the Bible talks about the fact that when he died, he descended to the depths of hell. Why? To go and preach the gospel to those who hadn't heard it. And often we hear the statement, hell couldn't hold him. But I thought of this. You know what? What is heaven? Heaven is the place where God is. Heaven is heaven because of God's presence. And hell is hell because there's no, none of God's presence there. All the torment and anguish is because God is absent. So what happens when God steps into hell? What happens? Hell itself becomes heaven. I mean, when Jesus walked into hell, every chain, every torment, every fetter was instantly destroyed. I mean, those people sitting there burst into heaven or had heaven burst into them. I mean, who... I mean, who wouldn't respond to a gospel like that? But this is who Jesus Christ is. It's that if he's God himself, is that when he steps into your world, heaven steps in. And everything that doesn't look like heaven is instantly annihilated. You know, here's the thing. If the resurrection isn't true, Christianity is meaningless. Absolutely meaningless. But do you know this? We have more proof that Jesus rose from the dead than we do that Julius Caesar lived. There's more documented evidence that Jesus rose from the dead than Julius Caesar lived. There's more documented evidence that Jesus rose from the dead than there is that Alexander the Great conquered all those lands and died at 33. 
external evidence all over the place. We have the evidence of an empty tomb. They, the Romans, the Jews, were determined to prove that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And let me tell you, they did everything to find a body. If there had been a body, they would have produced it. No one in history, there's no documented evidence anywhere, not even a suggestion that someone produced Jesus' body. We have over fi- the accounts of over 500 witnesses that said they saw Jesus with their own eyes. And those witnesses that saw Jesus with their own eyes, they all died excruciating deaths, except for one of them, excruciating deaths because of what they believed. I don't know how you feel, but if I was being tortured, having my nails pulled out, burned at the stake, boiled in oil, these horrific things thrown to the lions, if I were concealing a lie, And I could save myself by telling them that it was a lie. I would say it. I would not be prepared to die like that for a lie. And yet not one of them, not one of them recanted their story. This is an interesting account by a man called Flavius Josephus, and he was a Jew, he's a Jewish historian, and he actually wrote, this, I'm, uh, just to show you that I'm telling you the truth, this is not a biblical account, this is one of his histories that he wrote about that time in Palestine, and he wasn't really writing about the Jews, but in one of them, he has this account of Christianity, he says this, about this time there lived Jesus, a wise man. If indeed one ought to call him a man, for he was one who performed surprising deeds and was a teacher of such people as accept the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many Greeks. He was the Christ. And when upon the accusation of the principal men among us, Pilate had condemned him to the cross, those who had first come to love him did not cease. He appeared to them, spending a third day restored to life, for the prophets of God had foretold these things, and a thousand other marvels about him. And the tribe of the Christians, so called after him, has still to this day not disappeared. (laughs) So if you don't believe the Bible, believe the historians. And then believe the Bible. There is a story told about Jesus' life when one of his friends died and the man had been in the tomb for four days and, and Jesus went to, to the place and the family was all mourning. The man's name was Lazarus. And as he was walking towards the tomb, he met Lazarus' sister, Martha, and Martha and him had this interchange. And he tells, him about, tells Martha about how Lazarus will live again And Martha says, yes, I know sometime again he's going to live. And Jesus says this to her. It's so powerful. He turns to her and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. You know what he was saying in that moment? He was saying, I don't just bring resurrection with me. I don't just have the power to resurrect someone. I am resurrection. 
It's like Jesus did not have to work hard to resurrect Lazarus. He just had to step into that world. You know, he passed by coffins. He touched coffins and the people came out of their coffins. Why? Because he was resurrection life itself. He is resurrection life itself. And when he steps into your world, resurrection life steps in. How many of you have dreams, passions, things that God has spoken to you that you've tucked away in those dark places and you felt them slowly die? I'm here to tell you today that that same God who could not be kept in the grave, who turned hell itself into heaven, that he is he's knocking on the doors of those places and saying, let me step in. Let's live again. Let these things come to life. Let them breathe once more. Let them, let them live new. Some interesting stories were told about, around this time by one of the men who followed Jesus. His name was Matthew. He had been a tax collector. And he tells in a book he wrote about the life of Jesus right at the end in the second last chapter, he tells about how Jesus was crucified and what went on in the crucifixion. And he tells this, he says that at a certain hour, Jesus hanging on the cross cried out, it is finished. And at that same time, it says darkness covered the whole earth for three hours. And then it goes on and says, There was an earthquake and rocks split. Now, just for a moment, think you're sitting in your nice little Jewish house in Jerusalem. You've heard the stories about this Jesus. You know he's been crucified. And then on the day he's crucified, suddenly in the middle of the day, for no known reason, everything goes black. There's an earthquake and rocks about you in the fields are just splitting. Guys, you know what you're saying? This is more more than just a man. There's something more going on here. You know what it says at the same time? That tombs of dead people opened. Because you know what? His resurrection. And, and it says that after his resurrection, those dead people started walking around the city. Guys, now seriously, I told you there's some crazy things in Christianity, but this is one of them. You know, his, his resurrection was, it, it was doing something. It was releasing a power that was beyond understanding, beyond description. You know, you couldn't stay dead. (laughs) At the same time, it says the curtain in the temple. Uh, Is there anyone here who is six foot tall? Okay. All you men who are six foot, please stand up. Stand up. Let's give them a hand. Well done for being six foot. <laughs> no, no, keep standing, keep standing, keep standing. The, the curtain in the temple was ten times the height of all these men. Yeah, that's how high the temple curtain was. Thank you, you may sit down. Ten of these men standing on top of each other. We won't get you to do that. That'll be for next week. We'll give you a week to practice. But 10 of them standing head to head is how high that curtain was. That curtain was four inches thick, which is like the breadth of your hands to hand times two. 
I mean, have you ever heard of cloth that thick? I mean, that's not cloth. I don't know what that is. That's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> that's a temple curtain. <laughs> At the moment he dies, the Bible said that ripped from the top to the bottom. Bam. With no people there. When Jesus died, something happened. It wasn't just a man dying. There was an explosion, a release of something. When he said, it is finished, the price has been paid. There was an explosion of God on earth that has never, ever been, had never, ever been seen before. God arrived in power. And he tore the things he hated. He smashed rocks just to show you he was there. He um, let captives go just because he could. There's another story told in the next chapter. It talks about how the Jews and the Romans were so scared that Jesus would rise again because he said he would. That when they put him in the tomb, they rolled this heavy stone in front and they sealed it with a Roman seal. And they put two Roman guards there who were probably all six foot and very strong. It says, now, now Matthew writes the account in Matthew 28, but the only way he could have known it, because he wasn't there, the only way he could have known it is one of those Roman gods told him. So my guess is after this experience, they both became Christians. <laughs> That's my guess. But the Bible says that the stone roll, an angel came and rolled away the stone. The, the Bible disguise, describes him as dressed in white with light emitting from himself. And he, then he rolled the stone away. Listen, he didn't roll, roll the stone away to let Jesus out. Jesus was already gone. He rolled away the stone to show us that Jesus was gone. Jesus walked through walls. He didn't need that stone gone. He could just be wherever he wanted to. Rolled away the stone, this angel, and it says he sat on it. It says that the gods fell down like dead men. Yes, I understand. I really understand. You've had this freaky night. Things have gone dark. Rocks have been splitting. Dead people walking around. Now you're in front of this tomb. All on its own, the stone starts rolling away. Then this bright, huge person comes and sits on the stone. Let me tell you, you fall down dead. I mean, you are just like terrified. Terrified. Again, this resurrection of Jesus Christ released a power on earth that was unexplainable. And here's the thing. He's still the resurrected Christ. That same power is available to you today. When you meet Jesus Christ, you meet power itself. When you meet the res res resurrected Christ, the power to get God's will done is there. It's just exploding into the environment. Many years ago, I heard the story of a, a family. They were on a holiday. I know this family very well. They were on holiday, and in the room, 
that they were staying was this huge old wardrobe with a huge wooden kind of ornate covering at the top. And the parents were out the room and they heard this almighty crash and they came running into the room and there was this cupboard fallen over and the three, three of the, their children standing back um, at the edge of where the cupboard had fallen just looking in shock and horror. And so the parents pushed the wardrobe back up and part of the wardrobe had broken off. So they felt like they needed to go to reception to tell them that, look, somehow this, this wardrobe has fallen over and broken in our room. And as the father is walking to reception with the one son, the son says to him, Dad, do you know what happened? Dad says, no, tell me. He says, well, the younger son, who could only crawl at that time, crawled up to the wardrobe and began pulling at the drawer at the bottom. And it pulled the wardrobe over and was going to fall on him and crush him. And then the, the older son said to the father, Dad, where did the white hand come from? And the father said, what white hand? He said, oh, then a white hand came and held the cupboard up while the younger son crawled out from underneath it. And then when everyone was safe, let the cupboard go. You know what? That same power that was released at resurrection is released in us and through us and to us and around us. We live in an environment of endless possibilities. It means nothing is impossible. It means that all of God's will will come to pass in our lives as we partner with him, as we choose to believe that that is who we're serving, a resurrected Christ who is releasing the power and the life of God. God's love manifested. God's powerful love able to do what he says he will do. Second Peter 1 verse 3 and 4 says this, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through him you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world created by evil desires. Gosh, it ends on a bad note there. It's like, what evil desires? Your evil desires. <laughs> Guess what? You get to escape them and you get to partake of his divine nature. That his power has been released to do these incredible things, to, to reveal his love, to get his will done, but also to birth you out of mediocrity, ordinariness, everyday nonsense into the divine nature. Yeah, now that should start making you feel f fine about yourself. <laughs> his power is a manifestation of his love. It is the ability to get his will, will done, and it is his, the opportunity to participate in his divine nature. Guys, that's such good news. That is such good news. I'll tell you why. Have you ever felt like a, a fish out of water? <laughs> no, everyone has felt this at some stage. I remember some of my, my larger family gatherings, I felt like that. You know, it's just like, I don't want to be here. I don't know these people. I'm supposed to uh, be related to them, but I've, I don't know anything about them. I don't know what to say to them. They look strange. They think I'm strange. Ah. You know, maybe at work, you, you find yourself um, doing all the right things. Maybe you're being promoted and things are going on. But deep inside, you feel like, oh, gosh, this is just, I don't know how to cope with all of this. I don't know how to be or how to live or 
how to be myself and how to be fully satisfied. His divine nature is his holiness. And when we say holiness, everyone inside gives a little shiver. Because the world has fed us a diet of what holiness is. Don't drink, don't smoke, don't sleep around. It's a whole list of things you can't do, and it's all the fun things you can't do. Don't go to parties. Don't watch good movies. Don't even dare play cards. In fact, if you have cards in your house, you're in a really bad way. But that's so not what holiness is. Holiness is what you crave. That feeling of being a fish out of water is because you are. Because we are designed to swim in the glory of his presence, his divine nature. You were designed to function and be most fully alive and most fully who you are in his presence. And holiness is who God is. Holiness is, can you imagine this? Can you imagine this? A traffic cop pulls you over. And he says, you've been speeding. And lo and behold, for the last 10 kilometers, you have been filming your speedometer. And you haul it out and you say, look there, 60 kilometers per hour the whole way. What does that make you feel? Safe, vindicated, alive, able to keep all your money. <laughs> now just imagine, imagine having absolute righteousness living inside of you. Imagine if every decision you took, every thought you thought, every action you did was infused with righteousness. There would never, ever, ever be a situation for which you would be unprepared. There would never be a situation where you wouldn't be, have the answers, know what's next. This is holiness. Guys, this is, this is your portion. This is your inheritance. And Jesus died and his power is here to birth you into the divine nature. Don't settle for less. Romans 1 verse 4 says this. Talking about us and who through the spirit of holiness was, sorry, talking about Jesus. And who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. What is the spirit of holiness? It's nothing but God's presence. In other words, what it's saying is that Jesus was God. And so when, when he was crucified, the, the godness of him can't stay dead. In fact, God can't ever be dead. He had to choose for a moment to die. No one could kill Jesus. He chose everything he did on that cross. He was choosing for you. No one did it to him. He chose the beatings. He chose the crown of thorns on his head. He chose the nails through his hands. He chose the nails through his feet. Because he is resurrection life. He had, to, he had to will his nature to let those nails go through his feet. 
because his godness would have just repelled them in a moment. He said twice, no one takes my life from me. I give it. And that nature, that nature that dwells in Jesus Christ, when he rose from the dead, he said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. You know what? If someone comes to hammer nails into me, my guess is my body won't repel them. Well, I don't know. Now maybe they will, now that I've gotten this revelation that Christ is that much in me. But I feel like we are meant to grow into the revelation of who God is in us, that we have met a resurrected Christ that is exuding power, not because he's trying to, it's just because he is, who is exuding holiness, not because he's trying to, it's just who he is, and that him dwelling inside of us creates that inside of us. That there are no circumstances around us that can stand before the will of God through us. This is what resurrection life means. It means you never have to sin again. Everyone go, yes! <laughs> it, means, it means that God's word to you will prevail. It means his promises to you are absolutely assured. And here, here is something else it means. It means that when you walk into a circumstance... God walks into it means that heaven goes with you it means that there is an invasion of life remember those family reunions that I told you about that leave me feeling like a fish out of water well I remember going to one and I, I said well God I'm tired of feeling like a fish out of water in these things so I said, God, I'm just going to jump into the sea of your presence and I'm going to take that sea with me. Let's see what happens. So I started just allowing God to, the revelation of Christ with me to fill my mind. I started just thinking about and meditating on the fact that he was with me. I went to that family reunion and I was sitting next to one of my aunts who usually I, I struggle to find things to say to. And as I was sitting next to her, she, I hadn't even said anything. I'm just sitting there thinking, God, you're with me. Heaven is here. You're invading this place. As I'm sitting next to her, she turns to me and said, what is so different about you? When I'm sitting next to you, all I can feel is peace. Tell me what that is. Tell me what that is. This is an unsaved aunt who believes in all kinds of strange new age things. <laughs> I say to her, that peace is Jesus. I'm no longer a fish out of water. I'm a fish swimming in his glorious presence, satisfied, alive, able to breathe living the fullness of who he made me to be. Amen. Holiness is a manifestation of his goodness. It is the nature of God. It is the atmosphere in which we are most fully alive. My last story. Peter, who wrote that very first, or that second scripture that we looked at, was standing around a crowded lake, he saw this man coming and speaking to the crowds and the crowds were flocking and following him and he 
found this man walking up to him, and the man said to him, can I get into your boat? Peter was a fisherman. He said, sure. Jesus got into his boat. He said, strike out a little bit into the water, and Jesus began to preach to the crowds from the boat. Once he had finished, he turned to Peter and he said, Head out into the deep water and cast your nets. And Peter said, we've been fishing all night. These are seasoned fishermen. We've been fishing all night. But nonetheless, at your command, I will throw out my nets. He threw out his nets once more, and they had such a catch, they had to call his partners to come and help them. Another boat had to come and help with the catch of fish because it was so large. Do you know what Peter's response to the goodness of God manifested was? The Bible says he fell to his knees and he said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. We fear the holiness of God, but the holiness of God is nothing but his goodness. And his goodness is sometimes so overwhelming that it is such a stark contrast between our ordinariness and his glory. And it leads us to that place of saying, who I am is not enough, I must have you. And you know what? The manifestation of Jesus' holiness and goodness to Peter didn't leave Peter feeling condemned. It left him convicted of his his humanness and his need for a savior. But Jesus reached out at that moment and says, don't fear. Follow me. And from now on, you will fish me. And what did Jesus do? He grabbed him from the pit. He lifted him up and said, don't worry. Come with me. Be with me. I will make you into something more than you are on your own. So Lord Jesus... We're so grateful for your resurrection. We're so grateful for everything about you. We're so grateful. Lord, we just want more of that. Father, is it possible? Is it possible that we could live that kind of life? Is it possible that every day we could feel your life, your holiness, and your power with us? Lord God, we want that, and we want to strive for it. We want to, we want to have that more today and tomorrow and every day than we've ever had it before. Lord, I want to ask that if there's anyone here, and maybe they've been in church, maybe they haven't been in church, but they have been, they've been living far from you. They've been afraid of the condemnation they fear from your holiness. They didn't realize that your holiness would birth them into something that would cause them to reach their destiny. Lord God, or they have just not really understood who Jesus was. And Father God, you you want them to make a change in their life. You're calling them closer. You're calling them to surrender to you. To give up the rulership of their life and hand it over to you. Lord God, if there's anyone here that you want that for, I'm asking that you would speak to their hearts right now. And you would reveal to them your love. And you would extend an invitation to them. Let them feel that, your love and your security around them. And I want to ask if there's anyone that as I've been praying that, you, you feel the tug of the Spirit in your heart and you know that you need to make a new commitment or a renewed commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you, I'm going to ask you if you'll raise your hand. I would like to pray for you. Is there anyone here who would like to do that? You would like to renew your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
or you'd make, like to make a new commitment? Is there anyone here who would like to do that? Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. Is there anyone else who would like to do that? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Church, can we all pray this prayer together? including those who just raised their hand. Lord Jesus, I come and I surrender my life to you. Father, I acknowledge you as King and Lord. And Lord, I ask that you would take over as Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask those people who raised your hand, if, if you wouldn't mind as an act of that commitment, rising out of your chairs, you can grab your stuff that you brought with you and just coming to the front to make a declaration that I mean what I say. So if that's you and you raised your hand, can you do that? Can you be brave and come on up? <laughs> Church, we can all stand just to allow them to get out of their seats. But if that's you and you made that commitment, come on up. That's awesome. Church, can we extend our hands to these? Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, come and fill them again, Lord God. Father God, we welcome them and we say, well done, well done. Well, we, just, we just declare that these ones belong, that these ones are yours, that these ones are righteous and holy. We declare them saved, delivered, healed, established in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, filled with your spirit, Lord God. We declare it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father.